Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of an explanation for the next little while here. It says, uh, the section of Isaiah begins his poetry. Chapter 40 is the preface to the vision. The outline of the book might be as follows. Isaiah 40, the preface to the vision. 41 to 44, the servant, or four poems. 45 to 47, Cyrus, three poems. Isaiah 48, Israel's afflictions, one poem. 49 to 53, the Messiah, five poems. Uh, 54 to 57, Zion, four poems. 58 to 59, Redemption, two poems. Isaiah 60, the review of Zion, one poem. Isaiah 61, Messiah's summation, one poem. And 62 to 66, the second coming, which are five poems. So that kind of gives us a reference point for the rest of the book of Isaiah. Jesus Christ is the Savior. As Latter-day Saints, we have an obligation to bless the lives of others. It is important for us to know the character and attributes of God. The lectures on faith, Joseph Smith said, three things are necessary in order that any rational and intelligent being may exercise faith in God unto life and salvation. First, the idea that God actually exists. Second, a correct idea of God's character, perfections, and attributes. Thirdly, an actual knowledge that the course of life which one is pursuing is according to God's will. This section of Isaiah confirms the attributes of God. There is no God but God. God is a refiner, eternal, does not speak in secret, a servant, the redeemer, the great teacher, a shepherd, a restorer, our savior, speaks the truth, a deliverer, invites us to salvation. He opens the pathway, gives comfort and mercy, speaks with perfect foreknowledge, fulfills his covenants, is the creator. The father, the happiest of men, endowed his beloved son with a fullness of joy. He is, the, he is in the business of happifying his children by sharing his own nature with them. Heber C. Kimball remarked, I am perfectly satisfied that my father and my God is a cheerful, pleasant, lively, good-natured being. Why? Because I am cheerful, pleasant, lively, and good-natured when I have his spirit. That is one reason why I know. And another is, the Lord said through Joseph Smith, I delight in a glad heart and a cheerful countenance. That arises from the, the perfection of his attributes. He is a jovial, lively person and a beautiful man. Now, again, that was by Heber C. Kimball. Our individual capacity for happiness was first developed in the premortal estate. It was there that we learned the rudiments of joy from the gods set over us. As we partook of their spirit, we experienced a measure of the happiness righteousness produces. In this world of oppositions, joy is veiled. It cannot be experienced in its fullness. A fullness of joy comes only with resurrection. But from time to time, we can, like Elder Kimball, partake of the joy of the spirit. Indeed, we not only have the opportunity, but the obligation to do so. A perpetual unhappy saint is an oxymoron, a self-contradiction. Spencer W. Kimball remarked, If you are not happy today, you may never be happy. Happiness, said the prophet Joseph Smith, is the object and design of our existence. Righteousness alone cannot, or righteousness alone can bring it to pass. To the degree that each of us acquires the divine nature, we will enter into the joy of the Lord. Consequently, when all is said and done, each of us will be as happy as we have chosen to be, which is to say, we will be as much as we will be as much with God, or we will be as much one with God as we have chosen to be. 
Verses 1 to 8, the Lord's message of comfort to Jerusalem. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. These opening words are meant to comfort the people of Jerusalem. My people also refers to all of God's covenant people. Comfort ye is repeated for emphasis because Jerusalem's warfare will soon be over. Elder Orson Hyde was told by the Spirit, Go ye forth and declare these words unto Judah, and say, Assemble yourselves, and let us go into the defensed cities. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand doubly for all her sins. In other words, what he's saying here is that Israel in the last days has paid for the penalties that they have done, they have paid the price of the Messiah's uh, crucifixion. That's what Orson Pratt is, uh, is saying there, or Orson Hyde is saying there. Verse 2, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare, should be translated hard service, is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Double is from the law of Moses. If the theft is to be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. So that's the, from the Old Testament law. Verse 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Prepare the way of the Lord, all obstacles will be removed. The reference is to two specific people, John the Baptist for his mortal ministry and for his visit to Joseph Smith to give the keys of the Aaronic priesthood, and Joseph Smith who laid the foundation for the kingdom of God. Prepare ye is a statement of a commission to prepare for the coming of the Lord by crying repentance and gathering a people sufficiently prepared to, by covenant and ordinance to receive him. This, is also, this also refers to all Elias's. Verse 4, every valley shall be exalted, or in Hebrew, lifted up or raised, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked or false doctrines shall be made straight, and the rough places or confusing doctrines. Hebrew, the mountains into a plain. plain. This may refer to the great earthquake that will accompany the Lord's return. In Revelation 16, it says, There were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of, her, of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. President Joseph Fielding Smith declared that before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory, there will be a mighty earthquake that will be so destructive that mountains will be made low, valleys will be elevated, and rough places made as, made as a plain. It will be so violent that the sun will be darkened and the moon will be turned to blood. The waters will be driven back into the north countries, and the lands joined as they were before the days of Peleg. Verse 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, the second coming, and all flesh shall see it together. Verse uh, in section 88, verse 95, And there shall be silence in heaven for the space of half an hour, and immediately after shall the curtain of heaven be unfolded, as a scroll is unfolded, after it is rolled up, and the face of the Lord shall be unveiled. And the saints that are upon the earth who are alive shall be quickened and be caught up to meet him. And they who have slept in their graves shall come forth, for their graves shall be opened, and they also shall be caught up to meet him in the midst of the pillar of heaven. They are Christ's, the firstfruits, they who shall descend with him first, and they who are on the earth and in their graves who are first caught up to meet him, and all this by the voice of the sounding of the trump of the angel of God. 
and prepare for the revelation. In section 101 it says, And prepare for the revelation which is to come, when the veil of the covering of my temple in my tabernacle, which hideth the earth, shall be taken off, and all flesh shall see me together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The meaning is that those who call upon the name of the Lord and worship him in purity will be, will be directed to gather in holy places for their protection, to undergo preparation for the coming of the Lord, which is to follow. Then the Lord will be revealed by removal of a veil that covers his heavenly temple and tabernacle. Surely it will be a, of great comfort to the Lord's righteous people for their Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed to the whole earth. The voice said, Cry, or preach, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the God goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The Spirit of God blows in the form of judgment upon men and causes them to wither and die as grass. The glory of man is temporary. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Verses 9 to 11, the Lord comes like a shepherd. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, the restored gospel, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Orson Pratt said that this scripture was a prophecy concerning the Lord Zion that would be built upon the earth before he comes in his glory. The prophecy indicated that the people called Zion would go to the high mountain territory, the mountain valleys of Utah, and nearby areas. He further stated that Joseph Smith had also predicted the same thing and concluded, thus the prophecy was uttered, thus it has been fulfilled. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Hand and arm represent power. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He knows each of us by name. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead the, those that are with young. Verses 12 to 25, uh, who is like unto the Lord? Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? God knows all of his creations from the greatest to the smallest. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? No one is able to counsel the Lord with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. No one needed to instruct the Lord. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. The great nations of the earth are insignificant compared to the vast and marvelous creations of the Lord and his immense power and knowledge. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. There are not enough trees or animals to be worthy of a sacrifice to God. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing in vanity. To whom then will ye liken God, or what likeness or idol will ye compare unto him? The workman melted a graven image, and the goldsmith spread it over with gold and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation, chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved, idols of wood. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? Man has been taught the truth about God from the beginning of the world, but because of wickedness they, have, they would not hear it. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. The Lord's greatness is such that the earth is his footstool, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. People are small, but they have devastated the earth. They are insignificant compared to the Lord, that stretched out his out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. The Lord created the heavens as easily as we open and close a curtain. That bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. The powerful and wise are nothing compared to the Lord. 
Yea, they shall not be planted, yea, they shall not be sown, yea, their, so their stock shall not take root in the earth, and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. The powerful of the earth that were wicked will not find a place in the kingdom. To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Verses 26 to 31, the Lord sustains his people with his power. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might, for he that, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. The Lord is creator of all that the eye can see, and the orchestrator of every movement in the heavens. Nothing slips by him unseen, and nothing that his spirit sustains ever fails. Therefore, Isaiah promises that those who trust and rely on him will be replenished by his sustaining strength. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, why my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God, disregarded by? Some think that the Lord is not aware of our unforgiven sins, or that they will be passed over at his coming. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching or fathoming of his understanding. We have been taught from the beginning, and he knows all things. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. We would be nothing without the Lord leading us, giving us breath." But they that wait, or in Hebrew hope for, or anticipate upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Those who seek righteousness will be upheld by God's power. They will receive the blessing of magnification. This blessing pertains to us physically as well as our immortal bodies. Um, I, th I think if I had... Uh Anyway, that's the end of the chapter. I was going to say something about the temple there, but I'll refrain. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. I uh, hope you come back. Bye.